Praise the Lord. Welcome in everyone to another Sower of Seeds podcast. I'm your host, Ted Johnson. And as we always do, we're going to open up in prayer uh, and just, uh, just ask that we keep praying for each other. You know, pray for your neighbors. Pray for the, everybody um, around you uh, because we all need prayer every day. And when you run out of everything else to pray for, always remember me. Our kind and gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you, God, for being with us and keeping us safe, dear God, and just, Lord, just blessing us with health, dear God, and the ability to go out, dear God, and work on a job. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just move in a great and mighty way in, in each and every one of my brothers' and sisters' lives, our neighbors' lives, dear God, Lord, just meet the needs in their, in their heart and their soul and their mind, dear God, Lord, and those that are sick, God, I ask, Lord, that you would just touch them, dear God, and just lay your healing hand upon them. And God, those that are lost and out in sin, God, I ask that some way, somehow, someone will say something or do something, dear God, that will help them to realize, dear God, that they're lost and give their heart to you before it's eternally too late. And God, just be with each and every one of us as children of God. Lord, just help us to grow stronger in you and give us a stronger desire, dear God, to to go out and do a work for you, dear God, and, and to live a life in front of others so far that they can see you in our lives. And Lord, now I ask God that you would just touch my mind and my lips, dear God, that you would just speak through me, dear God, and help me to speak the words that you would have me to say. Lord, I love you and I thank you and praise you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. We are going to be in Joshua chapter 9. We are getting into uh, some uprisings in Israel and... uh, some, you know, like I said before, Israel has had this up and down relationship with God, and and every time that they get up and they're they're following the Lord and everything, something happens, and right back down they go again, and they have to get in trouble, and the Lord has to come and and, and bail them out again, but you know it's 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 getting to the point to where that the Lord is. Is really getting to the point to where that it's it, he's getting aggravated with the children of Israel. Uh, but let's start in uh, chapter uh, chapter nine, verse one. And Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, went to Sichem unto his mother's brethren and com- communed with them and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying, "Speak, I pray you, in the ears of all the men of Sichem." Whether it is better for you, either that all the sons of Jerubbabel, which are threescore and ten persons, reign over you, or that one reign over you. Remember also that I am your bone and your flesh. Now then, Abimelech, is, as he has got in his head that he uh, is going to be king. And he is plotting... Uh, a very vicious uh, plot to get to get what he wants. You know, a lot of times we get we get thoughts in our head that uh, are unlike God. I'll, I'll say that uh, they are unlike God, and 
and when we get those thoughts in our heads, uh, the thoughts are not the sin. The sin comes is when we try to put those thoughts into action. And Abimelech has got it in his head that he is going to be king, and he has already come up with a plan on how that he is going to do that. And it's not a very good plan. And he has not been called by God to be king, and and he has not really even been called by the people to be king, but he has devised a plan in his head that he is going to get himself set up as king. Um, but for, before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about Sechem, uh, this city that he went to, to uh, where his mother's family lived. Now, uh, I, when I got to thinking about Sechem, and it's mentioned quite a few times, if you if you think back, uh, it's been mentioned quite a few times the whole time we've been studying about the children of Israel. And it, it goes all the way back to Abram. And, uh, and you know, Sechem is a, a city that is located in the hill country of Ephraim. Uh, the city of Sechem played a vital role in the history of Israel because about every one of the the prophets and everybody that you talk to uh, at some point in time has been in Sechem for some reason. And uh, this location in the middle of the nation, it provided the most important crossroads in central Israel. The city lay along the northern end of the Way of the Patriarchs. Uh, this road was also called the Ridge Route. Uh, because it followed a key mountain ridge stretching over 50 miles south. And it traveled from Sechem through Shiloh, Bethel, Ai, Ramah, Geba, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, and Hebron. The route uh, continuously, uh, the, this route is continuously in Bible text. And you, uh, like I said, a lot of your uh, patriarchs, they traveled this road at some point in time. Uh, because of its uh, Sechem central location it, uh, and the vital crossroads, uh, Sechem saw a, a lot of traffic in its history. Thus, Sechem often found itself in, a ma in major events in biblical narrative. Um, Sechem first steps on the pages of Scripture as Abram enters into the land of Canaan. You remember he, he split off from his family and took Lot with him and, and left and uh, he uh, left from uh, Ur of the Chaldeans and across the Fertile Crescent and down into Canaan. And the Bible mentions Sechem as the first city to which Abram came. And that's where Abram built an altar to the Lord. And here God confirmed his promise to give Abram, uh, give the land to Abram. Uh, uh, the old man could have easily seen much of the promised land if you'd scaled Mount Abel and uh, looked, at the, looked at the horizon. But in areas in Canaan which Abram spent most of his life were along the route of the patriarchs, namely in Sechem, Bethel and Ai, Hebron, and in Negev and notably uh, Gear. Uh, and this is where Jacob, you remember Jacob, he, uh, he built an altar there and named it El Ole, El Ole, Ole, 
Israel, meaning God, the God of Israel. Here also Jacob dug a well for his many herds, and the well still there today. While Jacob's family lived in Sechem, Jacob's daughter, Dinah, if you remember, she was raped by one, one of the men of Sechem, uh, a man named Sechem, uh, the son of the ruler, Hamar, and Jacob's two sons, Levi and Simeon, made a uh, deceptive pact with the males of the city and slaughtered them in the uh, revenge of Dinah. Um, after Moses brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt, God commanded Israel to enter the promised land and to go to Sechem to pronounce the blessings and the curses of the Masonic covenant uh, uh, on the nation. Joshua did this. He divided the nation. Half of them stood in front of Mount Grism and half of them in front of Mount Abel. And from Mount Abel, they shouted the curses if they disobeyed the law. And from Mount Grism, they shouted the blessings if they obeyed. And there on Mount Abel, Joshua built an altar to God and on a pillar of stones, he wrote a copy of the law. And at the end of the conquest, uh, Joshua gathered the whole nation to teach them again, uh, reminding them of their previous pledge and the blessings and the curses uh, they, they themselves pronounced. He then set up another stone in Sechem, saying, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. Thus it shall be for a witness against you, lest you deny your God. Now then, Joseph, uh, you remember he died in Israel, but uh, when they left, they, they took their, his bones with them, and he, Joseph was the father of Ephraim and Manasseh. And so Joshua buried the bones of Joseph, which uh, the sons of Israel brought up from Egypt at Sechem. So Joseph was buried at Sechem in a piece of ground which Jacob had brought from the sons of Hamor. And they became the inheritance of Joseph's sons. And Joshua also designated Sechem as a city of refuge. You remember the, the city of refuge is if you kill someone or someone dies by your hand uh, by accident, uh, you haven't you haven't planned to do this, you all were out working or whatever and something happened and this person died, then you could flee to this the, one of six cities uh, that were a city of refuge. And as long as you were in that city, you were safe. And Sechem was one of those cities of refuge. Being centrally located, it, it was one of the places that uh, seemed to be the best where everybody could get to quickly. Uh, and during the time of the judges of Imlach, which we're speaking of now, a son of Gideon conspired with his uh, maternal family to kill all the other sons of Gideon and have himself proclaimed king of Sechem. Uh, but Jontam, the youngest son of Gideon, escaped by hiding, and at Abimelech's coronation, Jonathan climbed Mount Gizram and shouted a curse on Sechem for Abimelech's sin. The curse proved true for the citizens of Sechem formed a conspiracy against Abimelech. Well, we're getting into the lesson there, so we're, we're going to stop right there. But 
all all through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, all through the Bible up to where we are now, Seachum has come into play in just about every one of the books in some way, some uh, some form. At some point in time, every person that we have talked about has been in Seachum or has went through Seachum. And now then, Abimelech, uh, you remember Abimelech is Gideon's son by his concubine. And he he goes to his his mother's family in Seachum, and he he talks to them. Uh, he has he has devised this plan to be king, and he talks to them, and uh, he tells them, you know, hey, listen, would you rather have one person to rule over you, or would you rather have seventy people to rule over you? And he said, and then remember also, I'm I'm I'm. Uh, you, I'm a relative of you all, so you know. Let's take that into account too. And he said, "Go out and and say into the ears of all of the men of Sechem, uh, tell them that you know that I I am going to become king, and I would like to have their uh, their support and their backing uh, while I do this." Uh, and he they did, and he got himself set up as king. But before he done that, uh, they went to the uh, the coffers of Baal, birth, uh, and they gave Abimelech uh, three score and ten pieces of silver, or ten uh, seventy pieces of silver. And with this silver, he hired some vain and. Uh, light persons in other words um, people that you uh, you need for uh, whatever you want done that any um, law-abiding citizen wouldn't do and he hired these people and that's when he went to his father's house which is at uh, Ophrah and he slew his brethren the sons of Jerubbabel or Gideon being threescore and ten persons upon one stone, notwithstanding, yet Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, was left, for he hid himself. And all the men of Sechem gathered together, and all the house of Milo, and went and made Abimelech king by the plain of the pillar that was in Sechem. So, uh, he got himself set up as king. He <laughs> he done a lot of ruthless things. He done he ki he went and killed his father's his half brothers all but one. He went and killed every one of them all but one. Him and the uh, ones that was with him, and that that way you know they got rid of the competition. You know the best way to get rid of competition just eliminate them. So that that's what he done. Uh, I'm not telling you to go out and, and eliminate your competition. I'm just telling you that that's the way that some people thinks. You know, they think that, you know, as long as they don't have any competition or they can buy them off or get rid of them, then they have nothing to worry about. And, you know, that's the, the sad thing about that is, is the reason why people are thinking that is because that they are wrong in, in their dealings of what they are doing. Uh, they they haven't got the Lord on their side, and they 
and they're going out to do this because they want it. They have got this this uh, addiction of power, and they use this power uh, wrongly. They don't use it wisely. They use it wrongly, and it usually ends up uh, hurting them more than it does anybody else. Anyway, the same and the same is with Abimelech. He. Uh, he went in and he set himself, basically set himself up king of Sichem. Um, he had he got everybody's backing and everybody to help him, but yet he he started out doing this and he started out doing this on his own. And uh, the Lord did not call him and men did not call him, but he he went in and he he decided that he was going to be king and he got set up as king, but it didn't last long. And Jonathan, he went up on the uh, Mount uh, Grism and he proclaimed a curse upon the men of Sechem and upon Abimelech too uh, because of what they had done. And this is what, what Jonathan said. And when they told it to Jonathan, he went and stood in the top of Mount Gerism and lifted up his voice and cried and said unto them, Hearken unto me, ye men of Sechem, that God may hearken unto you. The trees went forth on a time to appoint a king, anoint a king over them. And they said unto the olive tree, Reign thou over us. But the olive tree said unto them, Why should I leave my fatness wherewith by me they honor God and man and go to be promoted over the trees? And the tree said to the fig tree, Come thou, and reign over us. But the fig tree said unto them, Why should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruit, and go to be promoted over the trees? Then said the trees unto the vine, Come thou, and reign over us. And the vine said unto them, Should I leave my wine, which cheereth God and man, and go, be, go to be promoted over the trees? Then said all the trees unto the bramble, Come thou, and reign over us. And the bramble said unto the trees, If in truth ye anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow. And if not, let fire come out of them, out of the bramble, and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now therefore, if you have done truly and sincerely, in that ye have made Abimelech king, and if ye have dwelt well with Jerubbabel and his house, and have done unto him according to the deserving of his hands, for my father fought for you, and adventured his life far, and delivered you out of the hand of Midian, and ye are risen up against my father's house this day, and have slain his sons, threescore and ten persons, upon one stone, and have made Abimelech the son of the, his maidservant, king over the men of Sechem, because he is your brother. If ye then have dwelt truly and sincerely with Jerubbabel, and with his house this day, then rejoice ye in Abimelech, and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come out from Abimelech, and devour the men of Sechem, and the house of Milo, 
and let fire come out from the men of Sechem and from the house of Milo and devour Abimelech. And Jonathan ran away and fled and went to Beer and dwelt there for he fe- for the fear of Abimelech his brother. See, they when uh, Jerubbabel or Gideon delivered the uh, Israelites from the hand of the Mennonites and from Midian, uh, they wanted him to come and rule over him. And he said, no, he said, uh, I'm, I'm not the one that you should be serving. You should be serving God. God is the one that needs to rule over you, not me. You need to put your trust in God. You need to follow God, not man. And you know, there, there is so many people today that is, is doing that. And just like Abimelech, he went to his father's or his mother's people and he he got them on board uh, with him being king. Uh, so they started following him and not, you know, not one time did it ever say that any of them ever stopped and took the time to ask God exactly what it was that he wanted. They just started following him and they decided they, that they were going to put him in as king of Sechem. And... Gideon done told them, said, you all need to follow God and not man. And there's so many people today out there that is following man and, and they think that they are right and they think that they are doing the right thing and they think that they are on the road to heaven when in actuality they, they may not be. So, you know, this is where that we need to take inventory on our life. We need to do spiritual checkups and we need to find out just exactly where we stand with the lord you know it is it's it's one of those things that we really need to do daily we need to we need to find out if there's anything in our life that is that is really keeping us from uh being where that we should be with the lord um being in tune with him and walking with him walking hand in hand with him and you know a lot of times we there's things that creep into our life unaware and things that we do that, that we really don't realize that we do that can, that can hinder us from being where we should be with the Lord and, uh, being, uh, and receiving the blessings that he has for us. So we need to take inventory and we need to figure out, Lord, when, what we need to do is we ask, need to ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything in my life that would keep me from getting closer to you and serving you more and doing your will more? Is there anything? And we need to to really then take the time to listen when the Lord comes to us and, and tells us, yes, there is or no, there's not. But, you know, the thing about it is there's always, there's probably always going to be some little something in our life that we don't realize, something maybe that we have done done about all of our lives and then all of a sudden the lord we asked the lord about it and the lord puts it before us we don't know why you know like i said my father uh, god convicted him of his ties he he had to quit wearing ties another brother friend of mine uh the lord convicted him told him to quit watching andy griffith and uh, different different things. I, I can't think of all of them right now, but there's been different people down through my lifetime that the Lord has convicted him of doing some of the things that we would never think about keeping us from getting closer to the Lord. And 
they they laid them down. And those that laid them down and the ones that quit doing them, God blessed them. They got closer to the Lord. And then there was other things came up in their life. You know, I've always said there's there's things, especially in my life and, and I'm probably in your all's life too, that you really don't realize that can keep you from the glory of God, keep you from blessings and keep you from getting closer to the Lord. And those things are the ones that we're going to have to get rid of. Listen, some of them is not easy. Some of them will haunt you. Some of them will aggravate you. Some of them will push you to the point of you, you're trying to get rid of them. You're trying to do something, and, and it seems like nothing is working. It will drive you to the point to where that you just sometimes you just feel like just giving up. But don't give up. Keep fighting. The Lord is there with you. Turn it over to him and take it and lay it at his feet and, and walk off and leave it. And let me tell you, from experience, it's not easy on some things. There's, I'm, there's some things in my life that Satan uses that, I mean, daily comes up and and uh, it catches me unaware and, and I have to ask God to forgive me for it. Uh, and, you know, this is... It's not a sin, but it could be. But we, we need to ask God to help us with it. Give it to him. Let him take care of it. And then he will take care of it for us. He will He will work everything out in his time, in his way. And, you know, the one thing that we need uh, is humbleness. And we need the fact that we need to turn it over to the Lord and let the Lord take care of it and not worry about it. Because when we turn it over to God, God will fix it. It will stay fixed and we don't have to worry about it no more. Yes, it will pop up again. I'm going to tell you that. It will come up again. But see, the only thing we have to do is tell, tell Satan, hey, God's already taken care of that. You just might as well forget it. Go on, leave me alone. Because... I don't have to worry about that anymore. Verse 22. When Abimelech had reigned three years over Israel, then God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Sechem. And the men of Sechem dwelt treacherously with Abimelech, that the cruelty done to the threescore and ten sons of Jerubbabel might come, and their blood be laid upon Abimelech, their brother, which slew them, and upon the men of Sechem, which aided him in the killing of his brethren. And the men of Sechem set liars in wait for him in the top of the mountain, and they robbed all that came along that way by them, and it was told Abimelech. So now then, the Lord has moved in, and he's going to let Abimelech know just exactly who he is. Abimelech thinks that he is something really great, that he has done this great thing. He has set himself up as king, and there ain't nothing, nothing can go wrong because he's got everything under control. Well, he's about to find out. And, you know, there's, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of people like that in the world today. They think that they don't need God because they are basically their own God. They, they can do everything and anything that they need to do. They can do it and ain't nobody can touch them or nobody can do anything to them. And 
my my opinion is is we have some of those in government today so uh you know we need to be be really much in prayer for our for our government because it is it is getting out of hand but anyway the lord sent a even a spirit between abimelech and the men of sechem and the this way god is going to get his uh revenge uh on them on abimelech and the men of sechem killing jerubbabel's sons now Drew, uh, Gideon was a godly man. He he was he was he was really a godly man, and I'm sure that he taught his sons to be the same way. And nowhere in the Bible does it says that they ever did anything wrong. But the simple fact was that they asked Gideon to be uh, him and his sons to rule over Israel, and he didn't want to because. He said that God's the one that needs to rule over you, not man. And he said, my sons will not do it either. So he done, he's done had a long talk with his sons, but yet Abimelech was afraid that if he was going to set himself up king, it, that if he wasn't careful that the sons of Abim, uh, Jerubbabel or Gideon would set themselves up against him in some way. They'd either they'd either go out against him, or they would try to set themselves up to as king. So and he figured, well, and instead of getting some kind of a long drawn out battle, uh, verbal battle with them, he hired him some men, and he went and he killed them. And now then, God is going to avenge the death of the sixty nine sons uh, because Jotham was still alive he was the one that was putting the curse on them on top of Mount Gizem so now then the Lord is uh, carrying out that curse it's three years later you know like I said God's got a timetable everything that he does for us is set in that timetable and it's set to, on his time not our time and it's set to do the the greatest have the greatest effect on the most people when it happens. So Abimelech he went he set all these men up in uh, in wait to go out against Sechem, and he said every morning they go out in the fields and and they uh, they gather in there. Uh, well, wait a minute, let's back up first. Uh, let's go to verse 26. And Gal, the son of Ebed, came with his brethren and went over to Sechem. And the men of Sechem put their confidence in him. And they went out into the fields and they gathered their vineyards and they trod the grapes and they made merry and went into the house of their God and did eat and drink and cursed Abimelech. And Gal, son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech? And who is Sechem, that we should serve him? Is not he the son of Jerubbabel and Zebel, his officer? Serve the men of Hamar, the father of Sechem, for why should we serve him? And what would to God this people, and, and would to God this people were under my hand? 
Then would I remove Abimelech, and he said to Abimelech, Increase thine army and come out. And when Zebel, the ruler of the city, heard these the words of Gaul, the son of Ebed, his anger was kindled. And he sent messengers unto Abimelech privily, saying, Behold, Gaul, the son of Ebed, and his brothers be come to Sechem, and behold, they fortify the city against thee. Now therefore, up by night, thou and the people that is with thee, and lie in wait in the field, and it shall be that in the morning, as soon as the sun is up, thou shalt rise early and sit upon the city, and behold, when he and the people with him is come out against thee, then mayest thou do to them as thou shalt find occasion. So Abimelech, Gaul got, or Zebel got upset at Gaul because of what he was saying about Abimelech. And so they, they, they're going to war. And they go out and they go to war. And all the ones that come out into the field, Abimelech come against them and, and kill them. And then you, they wait till they, the next morning, I believe it was, until uh, they came out of the city and they went in and they took the city and they had a big high tower and they they cut uh, limbs off of trees, uh, all the men did, and they piled them up around the base of this tower and they set it on fire and killed all the people that was there. And they, they went in and they did this just because somebody had said something against Abimelech, the king. No, you're not supposed to talk about your kings. You're not supposed to talk about your presidents. You're, but, you know, sometimes uh, we say things and it's not actually talking about them. It's, it's, it's the truth. But here, uh, this man was just making light of Abimelech and, and was basically saying that if he if he was in power, if he had any say in it, that he'd, he'd get rid of Abimelech and, and he probably said he moaned himself up as king the way he was talking. And, but he, uh, Zabal, uh, the ruler of the city, he sent word to the uh, Abimelech pri uh, privately and told him what Gaul, the son of Ebed, and his brothers uh, were up to. And they went out to war against uh, Gaul and all the people that was with him, behind him. And they, 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 took all of them that came out from the uh, city into the into the uh, fields, let's see. And Abimelech rose up and all the people that with him by night, and they laid wait against each of them in four companies. And Gaul, the son of Ebed, went out and stood in the entering of the gate of the city. And Abimelech rose up, and the people that were with him from lying in wait and when Gaul saw the people, he said to Zebel, Behold, there come people down from the top of the mountains. And Zebel said unto him, Thou seest the shadow of the mountains as if it were men. And Gaul spake again and said, See, there come people down by the middle of the land, and another company come along by the plain of Mion. Then said Zebel unto him, Where is thy mouth? Wherewith, wherewith thou saidest, who is Abimelech, that we should serve him? Is not this the people that thou hast despised? 
Go out, I pray now, and fight with them. Zabel was was able, was upset with Gaul because he had been making fun of Abimelech and the men of Sechem. And when Gaul said he'd seen men coming down the mountain, Gaul told him he was seeing things. You don't know what you're talking about. You're seeing things. Just the trees moving on the mountains. Ain't no people coming down through there. And then Gaul looked up and he was, they was coming from everywhere. He said, now then, run your mouth some more. said, what are you going to do now? said, go out and fight him. You wanted, you wanted him. You wanted a battle. Here it is. Go fight it. There he is. And Gaul went out before the men of Sechem and fought with Abimelech. And Abimelech chased him and he fled before him. And many were overthrown and wounded, even unto the entering of the gates. And Abimelech dwelt at Amu, and Zebul thrust out Gaul and his brethren that they should not dwell in Sechem. And it came to pass on the morrow that the people went out into the field, and they told Abimelech. And he took the people and divided them into three companies and laid wait in the field. And looked, and behold, the people were come forth out of the city, and he rose up against them and smote them. And Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood in the entering of the city. And the two other companies ran upon all the people that were in the fields and slew them. And Abimelech fought against the city all that day. And he took the city and slew the people that was therein and beat down the city, and sowed it with salt. And when all the men of the tower of Sechem heard that, they entered in, into the a hold of the house of the god of birth. And it was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Sechem were gathered together, and Abimelech got him up to Mount Zoman, he and all the people that were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bow, from a tree, and Abimelech and took it and laid it on his shoulder and said unto the people that were with him, What ye have seen me do, make haste and do as I have done. And all the people likewise cut down every man his bow and followed Abimelech and put them to the hold and set the hold on fire upon them so that all the men of the tower of Sechem died also about a thousand men and women so he he took he took Sechem and he killed all the people that was in Sechem and all the the men that, and women that were in the the house of their god he he burnt the house of their god and he, he burnt the people that was inside of it so he had he had took he had done what he said he was going to do and then he went to Tib Thebes and encamped against Thebes and took it uh, but there was a strong a strong tower that was within this city and thither fled all the men and women and all they of the city and shut it to them and they got up to the top of the tower and Abimelech came into the tower and fought against it and went hard unto the door of the tower to burn it with fire and a certain woman cast a piece of millstone upon Abimelech's head, and to all break his skull. 
Then he called hastily unto the young man, his armor-bearer, and said unto him, Draw thy sword and slay me, that men say not of me. A woman slew him. And his young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man unto his place. Thus God rendered the wickedness of Abimelech, which he did unto his father in slaying his seventy brethren, and all the evil of the men of Sechem did God render upon their heads, and upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbabel. So, after he took Sechem, he went to take Tabez, and he got to Tabez, and he got into the city, and all the men and women fled into this really strong hold. It was, it was a very strong tower, and there was a certain woman, it doesn't say who she was, but there was a certain woman that had a piece of a, a uh, millstone. Now, this millstone is very, very heavy. It's very thick, but she just had a piece of it. Uh, I used to know uh, what one of those millstones weighed, but it's uh, a couple hundred pounds, if not more, and she had a piece of it, and she dropped it from a window or maybe even from the top of this stronghold, and she hit Abimelech in the head and pretty much break, broke his skull. And he was dying, but he didn't, want, he didn't want it to be said that a woman had killed him with a piece of millstone. So he got his armor bearer to take his life. You know, we need to be very careful about what we do, especially against God's chosen people and against people that... Uh, God is blessing and using, you know, we've got to be very careful what we say and what we do because uh, a lot of times we can get, we can say things and do things and they'll, they'll come back up on us. And this is exactly what happened to Abimelech. He, he thought he was something big and he had, he'd went and got his, his mother's people to make him king. And he'd set himself up as king and he thought he was, he was big stuff and there was nobody that could do anything to wrong him or anything like that. And God, God shut him down and shut him down in a hurry and basically uh, took him out by a woman's hand. And, you know, God, God will use any means within his power to carry out exactly what it is that he wants done. Uh, it can be a, a donkey. It can be a rooster. It can be a person. It can be a sinner person. It does not matter. It can be a woman. It can be a child. It does not matter. God will use anything and everything that he can to get his point across and to uh, help us to realize just exactly who he is and who we are. Because a lot of times we get to the point that we think that we are really something big and nobody can do anything to us. Nobody can hurt us or nobody can take us down. But, you know, I learned, I learned a long time ago. There's always, you know, I, my dad always said that I was a jack of all trades, but I was a master of none. Uh, there's a lot of things I do, but I don't do any of them really well, but I can do them. And, you know, but the, the one thing that I realize is I, no matter how good of, of something that I do, 
There's always someone that can do that better than I can. And, you know, that's the one thing that, that I guess I questioned God when he wanted me to, uh, especially do this podcast. I said, Lord, you know, teaching on Sunday morning is one thing I've got all week to, to prepare and to study and to research and everything. But, uh, three times a week doing a podcast, uh, and, uh, Lord, I'm not that great a teacher. Uh, and you know, going back to Gideon and, and Moses, you know, what they told the Lord, Moses told him, he, he said, I, I, I'm not very smart and I don't speak good. And Gideon told him, said, listen, he said, I'm, you know, my family's poor and I'm the least in my father's house. So, you know, you need to pick somebody else. You, you, you messed up somewhere. And, you know, and I, and I sit back and think about it and there's a whole lot more people that are a whole lot more qualified to do what I am doing. But no, God said, I'm, he wanted me. I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to do this. Uh, and you know, it, it's not about me. Uh, it's not what, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm not the greatest speaker that ever was. Uh, my memory fails me a lot of times. I can't come up with the words, but God said, I want you to do this. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to do this, but I am got to have your help. And you know, he has never let me down and he never will let me down. And no matter what happens, I'm going to do this. You know, I go through the valleys a lot of time and I go through some hard times, but when it comes right down to it, I'm going to sit down here three days a week. I'm, I know I missed Saturday. My, I went down and spent some uh, time with my family. Uh, my daughter and son-in-law and grandsons were camping and we went down and spent the biggest part of the day with them and I missed Saturday. But, you know, I'm not going to quit completely. At no point in time am I ever going just going to throw in the towel and say, I quit. I'm following God. I'm walking with him. And the Lord is guiding me on this trip. I have took the Lord's hand. He is guiding me through all the things that are going on. And he is in control. And I have nothing to worry about. And that's the way that it's going to be. And I'm, I'm leaving that up to him. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he will not fail me. Yes, I fail the Lord sometimes. Yes, I do. I, I, I basically, uh, at some point in time, about every day, I will fail the Lord. That's for, and I have to ask for forgiveness every day. But, you know, he forgives me every day. I don't do it on purpose. You know, the children of Israel, it seems like that uh, every time that one of the judges died that uh, had them brought back to the Lord and was and they were doing the will of the Lord and they were doing good and they were prospering and everything. Seems like every time that one of them passed away that they just they just give up and they they turn and they go chasing after uh, gods. Next one come along and uh bring them out, have them set free, take care of their captors and everything. He'd pass away and right back out they do they go again. It was a never-ending cycle for them, and, and the Lord was was really getting upset with them. You know, when we continuously do the same thing over and over and over and over again, there's going to become a point in time when the Lord says, that's enough. Listen, 
I've, how many times have I had to forgive you of this same thing and still yet you come right back and do it again? And, you know, it, it's, it's, he, he, he's saying, you need, we need to do something here. You need to figure out exactly what it is and quit doing it. And, you know, there's things in my life that, that even that I do sometimes more than once, more than twice. And I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, what is wrong with me? I know better than this, but yet I still do it. And the thing about it is, is every time I do it, I ask God to forgive me. And he does. Why? Because he loves me. Because I really want to follow him. Because I want to do exactly what it is that he wants me to do. And, you know, I'm not trying to please man. I'm not trying to please you. I'm trying to help you by God's help. Uh, but, you know, I it's nothing that I actually am doing but it is God working through me that is helping you. And that's, that's the one thing that is in the back of my mind. It's, it's not me. It's not what God can do for me. God blesses me every day. And my uh, description or definition of blessing, uh, the blessings of God has changed a lot from when uh, I'm, well, from five years ago, they, the, they have changed tremendously since five years ago. And, you know, it's, it's not the things of this world that I count. God blesses me with things of this world. He meets my need, okay? He meets my need. He told me he would do that. Those are blessings also. But it's, it's the heavenly blessings that, uh, that means more to me right now. Those, those little talks that God has with me, those, those times that he opens up his word and he teaches me out of his word. And, and I read a scripture that I have read many times before that, that, that didn't mean anything. It was, you know, it basically gibberish. And then all of a sudden God just, just turns, uh, just turns on and just gives me the meaning of this. And it just opens up and I'm sitting there like, wow, I never did see that till just now. You know, that's the blessings I look for more than anything. It's the heavenly blessings. Waking up in the morning, going to bed at night, and I, I've got a job, and, and you know, <laughs> it's just so many things that God blesses me with that, you know, I basically took for granted at one time. And... Now then I know that all good things come from above and they're blessings and gifts that God gives each and every one of us. Listen, I thank you all for listening. I hope you all got something out of this. Pray for me every chance you get. Pray for each other. Pray for the lost and pray for the sick. And until the next time, may God bless you.